0: Cross the street. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the street was bad. Season 2, Episode 3 of Cross the Streams podcast with Kip and Kane I own. Uh, launched today's podcast with an interview with Taylor Mounts. You might have remembered him from Season 1 when he was working for Auburn University and Sp- Fox Sports and corporate sponsorships for the athletic department. Now he's back in the Portland area He'll detail what he's doing now and the sports business side of his job. Kane and I, we have about a 10-15 minute react segment to that and then a new segment we're calling Things They Should Have Taught You in School. Kane and I rant and rave about things we're bad at in the real world that we think there should have been. a class work for in our education cross the streams coming at you all right cross the streams podcast season two episode three if people out there right now could see the setup we're using to tape this thing you would absolutely know that we are a living home podcast a living room podcast it's awesome kane you're there yes yes i am uh, Kane has some audio difficulty through the mediums we usually use. And the guest we're about to bring on, holy smokes, you want to talk about high maintenance, trying to get his audio to work on either end. Uh, Taylor Mounts is back with us. Tay, how you doing? I'm doing good.
1: You know, the ESPN crew that was here that usually does my interviews
0: just for the weekend so that's why I tough to get. Oh, yes. Ah, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, everybody out there, Taylor, you know, quick recap. Uh, was in season one for us, you know, got a great, lot of great listens to his story uh, playing for me at Willamette University, men's basketball, Bearcat Hoop, and then going on a heck of a journey on the business side of the sports world uh, through Eastern Washington, McNeese State, UFC, the Arizona Diamondbacks. The last time we talked, he was in the Southeastern Conference, uh, director of corporate sponsorships uh, at Auburn via Fox Sports. But now, Tay give you a minute or two to update everybody you made the move i see a heck of a lot more which is a good thing uh but tell everybody where you're at what you're doing and just a, a personal update on career and life
1: yeah so i was living obviously in auburn uh alabama working for fox sports and it's a great job and you know, i think when you get a little older and a little wiser and uh, you understand what's really important to you and uh what it was important to me was being around friends and family more i mean you know, I was moving so much. I, I lived in like five states in four years. That's you know, like I was so used to picking up and going that, you know, really, missed, you know, see my family, see my friends, and so made the kind of decision to move to uh, move to Portland. And you know, obviously, I'm from Hawaii, and Dad lives in Bend, and went to Willamette. and so, um, you know, it's been great personally for me, and. Um, you know, Fox Sports is so great about it. I went to my boss and I said, hey, man, you know, I really just went back to the West Coast and I, you know, I said it's probably going to be here in a couple months, but if you want to let me go now, I totally understand it. Fox is tremendous about it and really being patient, you know, helping me find a job and helping me kind of, uh, you know, transfer out of the job. So, which is very rare, I think, these days. So now I I work for a company called Intercom Communications, Back in November, um, my company bought CBS radio for uh, for four billion dollars. That's what it'd be. <laughs> we acquired all their radio stations and so with a number uh, two um, radio station, I guess, conglomerate behind iHeartMedia Media. Okay uh, in the country oh. now. So we have a cluster of seven stations here um, you know I mostly work on the sports side with uh the local sports and 80 the fan and then all of the ESPN radio syndicated programming as well so um, it's, it's it's the same job function as what I've been doing in terms of corporate partnerships um, just a little different conversation but at the end of the day, we're, we're you know talking to brands, talking advertisers and, and how they want to get their brand out to the market. Uh, you know, if
0: that's very possible. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, all, I mean, there's so many bullet points of interest there. I mean, you said like when you said four billion with a B for the Intercom takeover, but um, Kane, I'll let you lob the first question at him, um, and kind of see where the conversation takes us.
2: Uh, yeah, man, this, th- that's. What, as far as radio is concerned, number two radio station conglomerate in the country, as you mentioned, $4 billion. As far as radio and competing against the internet and competing against TV and things of that nature, where do you see radio going? How does radio still stay alive with the Podcasts coming out everywhere with all these different um, media type outlets. Where does radio fall into the sports industry now?
1: Right. So I think the common theme of, 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 of the past has been radio is is dying. Um, yeah. And if you look at the numbers, it's completely uh, you know I'm sure it's actually the opposite. So. When you look at the fifties and sixties, that with radio. It's when TV came in, <clears throat> yeah. and people said radio was going to go away because TV was going to take away that viewer. Yeah, but you know, still, radio through the sixties all the way to the two thousands was kind of still on an uptick. There's always been things that of disrupt radio, and when you look at the Spotify's and Pandora's now, uh, in terms of Spotify just had the IPL last week Friday. They open at 165 bucks a share, um, and Pandora's close to going into bankruptcy because of the fact that they're losing so many users each month. But if you just change the word from radio to audio, it's completely different. You can get all of our um, pages online Mm -hmm. through, um, you know, radio.com, through... you know, to tune in to there's so many different ways to access our content. Yeah. The thing about aircom mm-hmm. that's been great is that we're all about live local, and especially with people in Portland uh, and you know across some other cities, so just just like Seattle. Uh, yep. People love local content. People mm-hmm. in Portland do not want to hear what's going on with the Yankees in New York or what what are the Celtics doing. They want to hear about Uvo. They want to hear about um with Blazers, you know, and and, yep. and so Intercom's the number two um in terms of podcasting content, we're number two behind PPR. So, okay. So so it's it's an interesting um you know and that's and that's kinda of what I talk to people about all the time and then I'm saying, hey if you just change the word radio to audio, we have a completely different conversation. I mean it's it's true audio content. Um every sports team is always going to have a radio partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the fact that there's still a lot of people that, that that listen to the radio. I mean, in terms of marketability, I mean, TV has been uh, declining the last few years because of cord cutting. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. that are uh, my age uh, don't have cable. Just mm-hmm. because of the fact that you can go on uh, Netflix or Hulu or... or um, you know, some kind of app on your Amazon, you know, Fire TV. That really the, the viewership numbers are not decreasing. However, the ratings are for TV. Mm. So when you're looking at that from a brand standpoint, you want to reach the you want to reach the most amount of people possible with your message. And radio still reaches 90 percent of the market locally. Uh, so in terms of the the, the healthiness of the business. Uh, iHeart and Cumulus declared Chapter Eleven bankruptcy a couple months ago, uh-huh. but that's all from decisions that have been made from 15 years ago, and they leveraged too much debt when they acquired, uh, you know, this radio station or that radio station, and so the fact that the business is very healthy. Um, a couple of companies have made some bad decisions, but that doesn't mean that, that the industry, you in know, itself is yeah.
0: healthy. Do you think, and gosh, there's so much to unpack there. Like, do you want to go out and go ahead and give us give like a seminar on the state of audio? Because that was awesome. No, of course. That was awesome. Uh, but let me ask you this: Do you think it's a it's a common misconception about the, the state of the industry because people visualize the older technology that delivered audio, and that's what they associate. You know, like oh, I'm, you're going to listen to 1080 the fan. What do you got a tune box and you're twisting the knobs. You know, rather than, like you mentioned, no, man, I got it on my laptop in the office and I'm listening to the podcast of Isaac and Big Sue, you know, at 4 o'clock.
1: Yeah, I mean, when, when you think about it, you know, I, I go into some, I just had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with, with, with an advertiser and, you know, there's the whole thing about radio and our thing is, hey man, radio is something that was in your car 20 years ago. I'm not talking about radio. I'm talking about, do you want live, audio,
0: local content that people listen to? Yeah, And that will never go away.
2: There's always been disruption, if you say, for radio. Right? Mm-hmm. Everyone said, oh, TV
1: was going to, um, you know, nobody's going to listen to the radio anymore for TV, which is untrue. Then Spotify <clears> and Pandora came and, and said, uh, oh, nobody's going to listen to the radio now. But people still love local content and people that are in the community. So that's the thing with like, air comms, That's that's the motto. Number one is live, local, you know, content. We've reached mm-hmm. hundred million listeners a week.
0: Okay, so on that, on that, country. you've been, like, and it's, it's like me and I'm sure Kane, working for Chris Peterson, like the the, the metrics and the analytics. I mean, you know I haven't played for me. I'm yeah. always looking for the measurables that prove why we should keep playing this or keep running that play. And you've given us a ton of great facts that I'm sure you've rehearsed using when you go talk to advertisers. What is the source of of those metrics? What is the analytics? Where do, where do you go or where do the people that you work for get this proof? Because it, it, it's, I mean, it's swaying me in in terms of changing my perception of audio because you're, you're delivering the factual analytics of it.
1: Right. So, before in the past, radio has always been the medium where, so TV, TV has a couple of different things. TV has a, a um, is Nielsen rated. Yeah. And TV is, has, um, for sports, a
0: company called RepuCom. Okay. So what is, is, is is let's say if you're watching a USB uh, UFC fight, right? And, yeah. And, uh, you're watching a fight, and you see the Bud Light there, right there in the middle of the ring. Yeah. And um, what they do is they take a media equ-
1: equivalency value like just saying, "Oh, that Bud Light was on the TV for eight seconds." You know that times that by you know how many how many viewers there were. And they do a lot of other math that's very complicated that I don't understand. But we get a number that shows, <laughs> hey, this is the media equivalency of you know, Bud Light that was in the ring. Mm-hmm. Radio's never had that for a long time. And CBS Radio had it, and it would intercom off them, uh, became proprietary to us. But it is, um,
0: so we match up your Google Analytics of an advertiser on yeah. their website with their advertising schedule. So everything that so we take a baseline of your Google Analytics, so let's say you get a
1: hundred websites an hour. Okay. And let's say your ad, you have two ads that run on one of our four, six, ten, eight is ten.
0: Okay. So that eight minutes after that ad runs, okay. um if you see a
1: spike in websites. website we take credit for that. So we always say that radio and audio is the megaphone that gets people to Google. Oh. If someone listens to on the inter- if Someone listens to, you know, if they listen to a baseball game and they hear Dollar shade Club, they're running a special right now. Go to the website. Yeah. You know, I mean, people are going to go Google it first, You know.
0: I mean, yeah. So that's the main thing is we see us as a megaphone for advertisers
1: to have their consumers go to Google and, um, you know, purchase their product.
2: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so
1: we give them an analytical data that said, Hey, your websites were a hundred. Now when you start advertising with us, it's 180 visits. So mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. we
1: just upped your website traffic and, you know I mean? If you
0: yeah. want, you know, the drive traffic and, and all that other
1: stuff. I mean, doing radio, I mean there's 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 not a lot of things better. Uh, you know, the good thing about Aircom too is that we have a we have a digital arm too. So we have Smart Reach Digital. So we have search engine optimization, search engine marketing, um, geofencing. So there's a lot of different digital elements that if you say, Oh yeah, I want some you know, I want to geo fence the MODA center um, and have a display campaign on people's iPhones. You know, so that's easy I can do that. So Jeez. not only are we having those radio conversations, but it's, it's purely, you know, media marketing consultants. How, how do you want to get your brand out? you want to get it out the radio
0: or digital or both? You know, I right? mean, that's, that's insane that you say that because I'm literally just got done shaving with Dollar Shave Club. And I promise you it's because of the ad runs in between the herd going to your guys' uh, this, uh, Dirt and Sprague and yeah. Dollar Shave Club's on there. And I've been listening for years, you know. And when Kelly was like, get rid of that Mach 3, it's disgusting. And I was like, I should do Dollar Shave Club. Dollar it's in my head. I've also wondered when I'm tired, do I need to go talk to the men's clinic in Vancouver? And they said, it's all right. It's in my brain. That's what I'm saying. It's frequency. That's the biggest thing. When we talk to advertisers, we say, look, if
1: you want to run for two months out of two months and then swan results, I'm not going to take your money, because
0: I'll just be doing that. I'll just be taking the money. You won't see any return. Yeah. And so what we tell people is that
1: you have to be on the air for eight months to a year. Oh. In order to In order to build your brand up with yeah. the audience. Yeah. And especially um, have that brand equity to say, hey, I've heard these guys are calling Coward for years. I mean, I remember I remember listening to Colin Coward in 1-800-Flowers.
0: Yes. Is, Yes. I use it yeah. every Mother's Day for mom and for my wife, and I get the damn spam emails, but it's okay because it reminds me. Right. <laughs> okay, how do how do you guys know on prime time? How do you? And I don't know if this is directly in your line of work or just something that that passes through your brain. How do you know how many people are listening? How do they know their average? So, how can you sell their reach? Yeah, so
1: we have we have. Uh... And rated for radio as well okay. so we have a bunch of different um you know radio advertising i mean we have a bunch of different analytical tools that we use and you know we have the uh so the ratings are um not by a few different companies but at the end of the day i mean yeah that's 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 been going on for radio for a long time and that's not something that's uh intercom like we don't make up the numbers that, in terms of the reach. I mean, this, this is something anyone can get, um, you know, in terms of online. Yeah. So for us, um, you know, the ratings are huge because a lot of them is, is done just on a few different meters, and a meter is someone that, um, you know, works for, uh, you know, somebody that get called in the middle of the week and said, hey, uh, you know, we'd love to have you in our survey, and we'll pay you to, you know... Get your opinions on things. And mm-hmm. So, um, if a meter says, "Oh, I listen to you know prime time for three hours a day," I mean the the ratings will, will spike. So, so it's 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 kind of different in terms of uh, you know this happens with TV too. Is is if is if there's a meter out there or a person who like likes country more than I like sports, it's it, it's a whole different confusing concept that that would bore you and, <laughs> at the end of the day we understand how how to reach is and,
0: and um uh, you know, how to spell
2: that as well gotcha uh quick question there taylor as far as just how do you find advertisers or potential clients i guess is, is what i'm looking for is it them calling you and asking hey how we're looking to get on uh, audio marketing somehow or is it you going out there and actively seeking Clients that are, are that you just figure out. Oh wait, maybe these guys would need some some type of audio or radio marketing. I would love if somebody on Monday morning called me <laughs> in the morning and said, "I want to get on the radio." That
1: would be the best Monday I think anyone's ever had. But no, and, and you know, in all seriousness, we have a bunch of reps who have been there for a long time, and probably back in two thousand and one, two thousand and three, that was when it was you know, really, people were, you know, they had to shy people away. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. now, Now today, because there's so many different avenues of, of advertising, whether people want to purely do digital or, or, or purely be on TV or, or just do mm-hmm. Facebook, I mean, brands get so many calls a day that, I mean, for us, I mean, it's a lot of uncovering, uh, it's a lot of uncovering, you know, stones, and I mean... For us, we do a lot of cold calling. We do a lot of, uh, you know, we do a lot of drop buys, and and you know, we have a bunch of different sales technology as well that we use. So we have a couple couple different, uh, you know, websites that we use that we can say, hey, um, this company grosses 1.5 million dollars a year sales. Usually, about six to eight percent of gross sales is is um, you know used for marketing budget. So. We can kind of do the math and see, um, you know, who's spending in the market. I mean, you know, who's on Oregon Live, who's on NBC Sports Northwest. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is just, you know, we're going out and hitting the pavement and kind of trying to get in front of people. I mean, for radio, it's probably a little different than it was in Auburn. So Auburn, I could probably, I could call, I mean, for every five to eight advertisers, I mean, I I, I could probably get a meeting just from the fact that i say, hey, I'm in Auburn. Yeah. If you want to come out, and they're like, even if they don't have any money or interest, they probably like, yeah, I'd love to, you yeah. know. You know, just just to tell everybody in, office, say, hey, Auburn, in the office, hey, Auburn's coming in the us. But for us, I think to get in the door, I mean, it's a lot more scrappier of a time. I mean, we're, we're probably doing, we're probably getting one of them for every 20 calls we make. Oh. So, um, a lot of that is how do you work smarter, not harder, and, Yep. I've gone through like a whole, a whole two-hour spiel on, on just the sales side of you know media reps. I mean, there's so many media reps out there, and, and, and how do you distinguish um, yourself from mm-hmm. um, from somebody else, whether you know whether that be a TV rep, because TV reps are saying the same thing, they're like, oh, radio's dying, radio's not doing this, and um, so um, there's a lot of dollars that are spent not only in this market, but across the country, and uh, people, people
0: want to be, you know? What is Tay, it, do you, when you sit down, let's say, um, I'm from, a, uh, somebody you are interested in, in getting on the audio marketing, yeah. are we, are you bringing me pre-selected packages of this amount of hours, this amount of ad runs, or are you and I crafting that together? Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm picturing yeah. sitting down and, you know, it's obviously old school visual in my head and you've got these. You know, these laminated packets that you're showing me, packet A, B, and C, which one are you in on?
1: Yeah, I don't bring, when we meet the first time, I don't bring anything. I, don't, okay. I bring a notebook, and I say, you know, we, we call it as client needs analysis, so I'm asking you, you know, if they just questions about your business, I want to learn more about it. You know, I want to learn, what's your biggest, what's your biggest hurdle right now? What's the thing that keeps you up at night? You know, how, how can we solve
0: a problem? And I think a lot of the times when reps go to places,
1: you know, this isn't in media. I think this is just general sales. It's like people want to close so fast and move on, and, and not a lot of people take the time and understand the client, understand what what they want to do, understand that hey, you know, we might not have as much money as as like an AT&T or a or a Audi or a. Uh, you know, Mercedes-Benz, whatever, but how are we going to capitalize on the dollars? And, you know, especially talking of small and medium-sized businesses, Mm -hmm. like, these these are big decisions. These aren't just, oh, if this money doesn't work, then that's okay. You know, we'll just, it's like, okay, maybe we can't hire that one more server at a restaurant, or maybe we can't hire that one more engineer in our body shop. And so, uh, a lot of it is really making sure that you understand somebody's needs so much that when you craft a proposal, you know, you're saying, hey, I remember you said this is the big hurdle for you. This
0: is how it's going to alleviate that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like, you
1: know, you guys recruit all the time. It's like if uh, pain went into somebody's house and was like, hey, look, you're going to play outside linebacker. What do you think? You want You're, are you in? Are you in? (laughs) (laughs) Right. That always works. (laughs) Yeah. But no, it's like, it's like if somebody, um, you know, we just say, I mean, it's still a relationship, there's no doubt about it. Right. I mean, for all the facts, for all the, you know, all the information, I mean, I probably, all the information I told you guys, I probably wouldn't say two thirds of that. You know, I, I, I'd probably say something if they had a really huge objection about radio. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you can go on and on just with the objections and, and the fact that if, You know, it's like if a client doesn't bring
0: up objections, you don't need to bring up the answer. Um, So, you've got, I mean, are you going to go out and sell these slogans? You are full of them. These are so good. No question. Right, Kane? Like, I'm going to have to go tell my staff what you just said. If he's not going to bring up the objection, why are you bringing up the solution? That's so good. (laughs) That's so good. So good. You know, and the thing I've been fortunate enough
1: is that I've been around so many different
0: sales reps and sales files. And I kind of understand what works for me. Yeah,
1: I'm not, um, I love, I mean, I'm totally not like, obviously a gift, you know, you know that for me, but Yeah, I, I, I always want it to be comfortable and, you know,
0: you want to gain the trust. Mm-hmm. once you gain their trust, then
1: they will understand, you know, you'll call them up and say, Hey, I really think you guys should get on this, you know, in terms of there's, uh promotional package coming up or something like that, but if you know the client's needs so well that they they gain trust then it's more, it's a partnership and yeah. anybody can sales boss dot, I can have a 12 year old go out right now and say hey, give this proposal to the other two they say mm-hmm. and not a lot of people can understand the sales process, the fact that this is a relationship business and you know, one of the things I moved to Portland is that I wanted to live here, and I wanted to build a business, you know, build a book of business within a place I wanted to live. I mean, I think when I was moving around so much, I'm like, man, how do I get to that next job, or how do I get to that that next level? And I think you forget about the sales process, and it's, very, it's difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like we're just going in there and just, you know, Make. I mean, it's a grind, and there's a bunch of people that have been in intercom, especially in Portland, for 15, fifteen, twenty years, doing this a long time, and they work their ass off. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, um, they put in a lot of time. Obviously, not a lot of, not a lot of, ask a lot of time as coaches, but you know, I mean, for for people, you know, rolling all day. I mean, and, and, and trying to go on that hunt. I mean, it's it's a hard, it's a hard job at some, you know, at some points. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Man, you hit it on the head when you, when you said as far as recruiting and you kind of brought up the, the uh, similarities between what you're doing and, and what we do as coaches when we're recruiting and when we go into living rooms and try and um, sell our product or, or get players to buy into our universities. Um, and you brought up trust and developing that trust with potential clients of yours. How is it that you develop that trust? Because as a recruiter, I want to do the same thing. I feel like if I can develop trust within uh, my recruits, it makes the decision form that much easier for both them and, and their families. But what is what are your some key factors for you in developing that trust? Yeah, I think I've learned. Coach, uh, you like this? I think I've learned.
1: I've learned to listen a little
0: bit more to talk. Oh! <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, I know it only took me. It only took
1: me twenty eight years. But, uh, <laughs> the fact that. You know, I think you got to do what's right for the client as well. I mean, if they don't have the money to spend, I don't think sometimes it's fair enough to do that, that quote unquote money grab and saying, well, yeah, yeah spend
0: 10000 with me and it'll really work. And you know, you're like, dude, this ain't going to work. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm.
1: And so for me, I think understanding that free sales process, I mean, that's how it comes across. You know, and I think if people really care about, um you know the 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 fact that they are helping businesses and, and and you know that's what i like so much about my job is that i really get to see businesses grow i get and and i get to help them and a lot of the times people don't care about whether a business grows through through marketing they're just like oh it didn't work i mean but if you really care it really comes across and i think um you know, just like kids, like they understand if you really care about them. If, yep. if if you're just saying, yeah, yeah, come to come to Washington. I mean, it might not be the best for you personally, but you know, it would really help our team out. You know, and so yeah. I think a lot of the time it's, it's being um, honest, and sometimes you got to walk away from money. And as hard as mm-hmm. that is, believe me, it's hard to walk away from when you're doing the commission in your head. and say, man, I <laughs> should have made this much, this much money, but. You know, at the end of the day, you've got to do what you think in your belief system, how you know, and that's just my philosophy on sales. There's probably just people that are, um, have a different one, but for me, that's that's work, and that's why I think I've, uh, you know, excelled and, and you know, hopefully keep improving for the future.
0: Well, that's that's, I like that's, it. that's a golden 30 minutes there, Tay phenomenal um we're gonna make sure we, we keep bringing taylor back on a couple times throughout the year um not only to hear more from him about what he's doing but also when these uh, throughout the year there'll be transactions sports deals money involved that Kane and i think we understand but we be, we better bring the expert on to say listen idiots that's not what that dollar meant at all so yeah well
1: there's so many different because i'm a big sports business journal uh it been on
0: that before
1: so long. it's called what, what like, is it, it kind of, so it's called
0: sports, ok and it kind of it's, it's like ESPN for sports business in Argentina. ok so it kind
1: of you really understand what's going on and hey this sponsorship deal or this is what's happening you know in marketing and there's so many different things that, that we could talk about in the future that what some brands do i will you know bring up some examples you know next time
0: yeah absolutely
1: you know next time we get on this but i mean there's so i mean the world of sports business is changing so rapidly just because of the the line between tv and digital right now is disappearing yeah so in terms of um some teams are going on youtube tv or being on amazon or being purely on facebook and so it it's There's
0: a whole different conversation right there that we can have on, on, you know, kind of what's going on there. Awesome. React segment. Kane and I coming back after that. About 30 minutes or so with Taylor Mounts, sports partnership sales for Intercom Communications uh, in Portland, Oregon. Obviously a player of mine uh, at Bearcat Hoop, Willamette University. Kane, I've got three pages of notes. I don't know about you, but I got... More questions for Tay later on, but also uh, apl- applicable things to what we do in recruiting, what we mm-hmm. do in advertising, our programming. I mean, just so much stuff from him. Where do you want to start in our reacts?
2: <laughs> uh, they're, they're, like you said, man, there's there's so much to go off of, but um, might as well just hit on the recruiting and how it, uh, how it, I felt, uh, some of the things, or what I took away from it, and how it... Directly pertains to what we do recruiting on or on the road.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, what about where he said his first meeting? And now picture ourselves in our first contact with a player. He brings nothing but a notebook and listens. Yeah, like that's. I, 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 go ahead. No, I mean, I think like that's something for my staff and I. We're winding up on the basketball side. We've got we've gotten two commits in this class of twenty eighteen. We're waiting on decisions from three other kids. And I'm thinking back to our process, how we start. We always take the month of May to reevaluate before we launch the next one. And I know for a fact what Tay just said: we got to stop puking information immediately. Like we got to listen more.
2: Yes, there's a hundred percent, man. Or I just think back to all the first-time sit-downs and meetings with with potential pl- players and recruits, and even with coaches and. and I've got this fricking memorized
0: Mm -hmm.
2: uh, however many sentences and and just straight information about Montana state or university of Washington or whatever school you're representing. And you just, like you said, I love that, that phrase, you just puke it out and just vomit all this information in their face. And they're not even asking for it. (laughs) You know, they're just, they're just trying to introduce themselves and, and, You just instantly want to dive into this sales pitch instead of first and foremost listening to their story. That's the thing that I wrote. Uh, Put a star next to it is is find the client's story first. Um, Yeah, find out what makes this recruit tick. Find out his interests right off the jump. And and I know it sounds easy to do. It sounds like common sense, but that's so hard for us to do when you're out there on the road Mm -hmm. because you want to get all this information out to as many people and players as you can and, and when you really should be collecting as much info as you possibly can first and foremost and then from there you can start to whittle down your list anyway
0: yeah and I thought where then this is similar to you and I and I know football you, your guys is set up is even different than ours in terms of when you're on the road and you're you know back when you were able to be on the road we're not no NCA violations here yes. um, when you were on the road at Montana State you got football coaches are going to high schools. And there there all of you are in your football pullover, sideline exclusive gear from Under Armour, Nike, etc. And you're trying to find a way, like Taylor said in his sales rep game, to distinguish yourself. And that's the same on the basketball coaching end. Well, We're all in the gym at AAU showcases, and we have to sit, all of us together, in a specific roped-off part of that gym. And we're all there, and basketball coaches are wearing polos. And we're all there trying to figure out how we can distinguish ourselves from the other two hundred schools that are watching these kids, so I, I thought that Taylor living in that world, but it's in the it's in, in the sports media sales rep world, was so equivalent to what we experience. Yes, there's no question about it, man. It, it
2: <laughs> it's just so funny to me that how how much how many similarities there are to sales when it comes to recruiting.
0: Yeah, I, I was I was really impressed. When you hit him right off the bat after he kind of explained what he's doing and he's working radio, and then you hit him with exactly what I think a lot of our listeners and myself were thinking, and oh my gosh, poor Tay's in radio. It's a sinking ship. And then, you know, he hit you with, change the word to audio, and then gave us billions of dollars worth of reasons that industry is alive and well. And yeah, exactly. Not just
2: alive, but doing very well and finding ways to adapt to the changing uh, society and how people get their information, but they're still getting it. Mm-hmm. And radio is finding a way to be very much a, a key player in that in that realm. And I thought it was uh, just the fact that he brought up, yeah, they've been saying radio is going to be dead since 1950 when TV started be- become the popular way to get information. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it has that has not been the case. Um, so radio is doing a great job and and i love like you said the radio uh turn that to audio and and you'll figure out real quick that there is definitely a huge market for there for that out there and shoot that's what we're doing right now (laughs) exactly uh, as far as the podcasting is concerned and uh, that is a, a in itself radio
0: and, it, said, and I think ours dives into what he mentioned, where his his company works for Intercom Communications. It wants to be the best at live and local. And I think mm-hmm. we talked about it in our podcast, which is on Spotify and iTunes. And if you go back and listen to Taylor Mount's interview, Spotify's IPO debuted at $156 a share. Uh, mm-hmm. So a little plug for our host company. Uh, but Taylor, we wanted, we wanted to be, how are we going to be relevant? We have a chance... Because of the interpersonal connections to kind of fill that local part of yeah. that. And now how can we make it live and interactive? And I think that's that's what we've always tried to do with our podcast, and I'm sure everybody does. And Taylor's company obviously is the best at what they do. Yeah. No, that,
2: and that kind of brings me to uh, some thoughts that I had on our own podcast as far as how where we can continue to take this thing and exactly like you just said, really tailored towards kind of the local feel. Mm-hmm. Like, really make it relevant for those that we know are probably going to listen because they know us well yep. and make it as relevant for them. And in turn, that could open up doors to continue to expand. But if we just are trying to shoot out these uh, podcasts that really don't have any relevance to anyone that we know is truly listening. Mm hmm. Then we're going to lose them as well. Yep. And and we so you've got to kind of tailor it a little bit to your initial audience, and then you can start to branch out a little bit more uh, as you continue to, to thrive or start to thrive
0: anyway. Couple. Um, uh, the other thing that uh,
2: that he said um, I really liked was just the viewership versus
0: ratings debate. Mm, and, yes. You know, with that whole people are starting to say that uh,
2: TV is is going away, and, and which. If you look at ratings, you would say you would have to agree with it, but then when he, when he brought up viewership versus ratings, you're going, oh, yeah, well, okay, that makes sense. Where it's not necessarily uh, going away, it's just how people are yeah.
0: watching TV is is,
2: is different yeah. than it was 20 years ago.
0: Consumption, um, yep.
2: So I, I think it's just, again, trying to relate it to, to what we're doing and just... The games change, footballs change, basketball changes, but it's how you adapt to those changes that are, is going to keep you relevant uh, as,
0: as far as the game is concerned and as far as uh, our coaching is concerned. Uh, a couple of quick tidbits before we wrap up this Reacts. I thought a couple of things, just quick facts I love, and I'm headed there immediately, sportsbusinessjournal.com. Something that the viewers out there, and I know you and I, he mentioned that he stays up to date. The ESPN for the business side of sports, definitely something people might want to check out, sportsbusinessjournal.com. And then I thought about this, Kane, where he said, stop bringing up up solutions to things they didn't have an objection about. Holy cow, is that the coach I own recruiting? We got to get a filter. No what? one asked you for that information, my friend. They didn't want it. There was no issue to be had. Why bring exactly. it up?
2: Exactly. Why? It just, because, again, it's just that those extra facts that you have in your, in your pitch, in your sales pitch, It's mm-hmm. just your, your habits that you just feel like, I have to get this out there, even though, again, it doesn't have to be thrown out there. It's just one, one more thing that you're feeling their head with for no reason
0: jump back, everybody. Uh, Kane and I just wrapped up the segment reacting to our 30 minutes with Taylor Mount, Sports Partnership Sales Intercom Communications. We'll be back with our next segment for episode two, episode three, Cross the Streams.
2: All right, Cross the Streams, back with another, another new segment. It feels like we come up with new segments literally every
0: podcast. <laughs> <If> somebody's probably <laughs> like, hey, you two, follow up on one of those. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: seriously we probably should go back and, and kind of go all right we should listen to our own podcast probably and write down what how yep. many segments we have
0: we've got a new <laughs> segment every
2: week but we're going to add to that list of segments this one is called things that should have been taught in school all of us have have gone through Elementary school, middle school, high school, at least I, I hope most of us have gone through <laughs> those uh, stages. Some of us have continued on to the four-year degree school or, or however many years of, of college. These things that we're going to bring up, these topics, weren't actually taught in school. But if if they were, I didn't take that class.
0: I, I missed it, that yep. that class
2: along the way. Um, so that's what this segment's all about. Kip, why don't you start off? Yep. Uh, with, and again, this can be anything, but I've got a couple things that, that I've written down and, and it's, I think this one's going to be a segment that we continue because I literally, every other day I go through something where I'm like, what the hell? Why was I not taught this uh-huh. earlier in my life? Or why am I now just figuring this out?
0: Exactly. And I think the genesis of this segment is you and I and our wives texting back and forth about stuff that's hard as adults. And do you do you know anything about this? Because we sure as hell don't. And I know a lot of other friends of ours and friends of your guys will probably feel the same way. I got one right off the bat. I want to know why they don't. You, you read a lot of books, you read a lot of papers, you do a lot of reading, obviously vital in school, college, your master's degree. No one teaches you how to like functional life readings. What comes in the mail, and I'm talking specifically about insurance. Claims and benefit summaries because I don't know yes. what people out there. You're probably like me where you go right to the one Probably in yellow highlighted what you owe and yep. see what it says And yep. that's and I should probably pay attention to the other seven pages But I don't know what the hell it's talking about <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to sit there and go through the 20-minute reading Yeah,
2: of the other seven pages and at the end of those seven pages you still have no clue what
0: you just read. <laughs> exactly. I think they do it on purpose. I honestly think they know damn well they can sneak anything into that set, that setting and as long as it, you know, it says, oh, you owe 83.16 and you're like, cool, doesn't give me a heart attack. I don't care what, what that's for. And it was probably $35 you didn't have to pay, but you weren't taught and you do not have the skills to go through the facts they just provided to you.
2: Yep. You no, know, not going along those, those same lines. Uh, leases, right? You sign oh. leases, rental agreements, mm-hmm. leases. I'm going through a, a battle right now after our, our recent move from our first place out here in Seattle to our new place where my deposit got absolutely just eaten up. Just almost all of it gone. And we have no idea why. And we are so now in the process of going back through the lease and deciphering all these things that are written in the lease, all these different ways that we can figure out, okay, what happened to my deposit <laughs> and how can I actually fight this guy on losing 75% of my deposit for stuff that I literally, there's no way that they should
0: be, I should be paying for. And I think but just, they probably count once again. Human beings, being who we are, consider the fact that, hey, once this couple or this person, this tenant, really wants Mm -hmm. into this living space, the lease they don't ever offer that up two months in advance and say, hey, make sure you read through this before you commit. That's like the, (laughs) oh, hey, by the way, sign this and here are your keys. And you just want your damn keys so you can move in out of the rain. You don't read that. No, you don't read
2: every little same thing. You don't read all 17, 20 pages worth of it. I know that. You you just briefly skim through and make sure there's nothing that really stands out that catches your eye. But there could be so many different things that are written in those leases that you have no idea. And at the end of the day, your deposit's gone. Yep. Hence what's happening to me. And Um,
0: tell me that, that in class, think back to all the classes you took. And this is not, as a person that taught high school for seven years, and obviously our two parents are lifelong educators. So this is not to disparage the people working. But I'm going to take a shot at the curriculum they're given to work with. And I know for a fact in my classes at McKay High School as a teacher, I, I was the freaking business teacher. And these <laughs> things sound a lot like what we should have been talking about. And we weren't. We were yes. talking a lot about Microsoft Word, a business letter format. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking back to the stuff like debits and credits for accounting, which you would never do unless you got to the management part. Of a business, mm-hmm. and yeah, if we like, I think kids would probably listen. Like, hey, this this class is called First Property Owned. How do you yes. do it?
2: Yes, yes, I love that. That's a great idea. And along those, again, going right off of that, how much in that class that you taught did you really teach your guys how to how to fill out taxes?
0: Oh, no idea. None. We none. We did. Yeah, we should have done personal taxes, and we were pretending to do the books for X Corporation and three hundred thousand dollars in research and development. Meanwhile, I can't fill out an I (laughs) nine. You know, know, like oh, I'm with you. I'm. That's why I just paid three hundred seventy-five dollars to H and R Block to the nice woman. That did our taxes. And once again, I'm saying she did a great job because we had a nice conversation in her cubicle for two hours. (laughs) I have no idea if she did it any better than I did last year because I don't speak the language.
2: Uh, Exactly. I I did my own taxes for the longest time on (laughs) TaxAct.com. And it was one of those deals where just a TaxAct.com advertisement popped up on my email back in. Whatever year when I first started getting a salary, and I was like, Oh, this looks interesting. And it said free taxes. Yeah. I was like, Oh, perfect. Filled it out, went through it, got a return the very first time. I was like, Man, this is great. Who needs anybody else to do my taxes? So I did my taxes for the last however many years until last year when I decided, Well, maybe there's some things that I'm missing on my taxes that. I should send to someone else who speaks tax a little bit better than I do, who maybe actually had a tax class <laughs> throughout their educational experience that I missed or, or didn't take and could potentially get me more money. Mm-hmm. Turns out, turns out, I, that did not happen. I got a lot less back. And, and again, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> uh, the guy just, um, something was wrong with, I don't know. but. Bottom line is, I should have just stuck with the dot
0: But but you don't and have the skills to decipher which exactly. way was better. None. Yeah. Exactly.
2: This guy could have done a really really good job, and if I would have done it on my own, maybe I got even less mm-hmm. back in a return. But I just don't know that. I'm not educated enough in the tax world to be able to feel like I I know what I'm doing. I tell
0: you, and that's there's. Frustrating. I think that not just taxes, but let's go in terms of. Any major life purchase, the process, go buy a car, go buy a house, go buy a bedroom set for God's sake, you know, who knows, but any major life purchase, the barrier of knowledge to know what the hell you're doing, and you usually end up relying on one of your friends or your family that did it before you, doesn't mean they did it well, but they've done it more, so you're like, hey, what, what do I tell the salesman at Honda? And you know your yep. your dad says this, and your boy says that, and your father in law says this. And at the end of the day, you just go get a car. Yeah. You don't know what the hell they're talking about. You signed forty two different things. Hey, does it did it feel good when you drove it? Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> it, it did. And and but at the end of the day, when you're driving
2: off the parking lot, you're still got in the back of your mind: Did I do this right? Uh-huh. Or am I gonna? Am I gonna? Go and talk to my buddy who's been telling me I just got screwed out of however much money. If they would have just talked to him first, he would have got us a better deal. Yep. <laughs> and, and yeah, purchasing a house when you sign 100
0: sheets yep. of paper, and literally every sheet that you sign, they try and explain to you what you're signing, and it just goes in your head out the other side of it. Like, yep. what? And yeah, wow. and you say something funny like, oh, I'm glad you know all these. What a job. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, idiot, because when we come take your house, you will have signed that we could I know yes. yep, we' bought yes. let's see so now we kind of have now bought two homes together, and I know we we walked through them and then we told the, we told the realtor, uh, yeah offer and then that you wait by your phone to, for them to come back and say yes or no and then you've got 77 papers they tell you stuff about the inspection they, you know it's just you have that would be a class I think kids would pay attention to. Because it no literally question. could affect them, or relevancy, they can go home and talk to their parents if they're in the middle of the move, whether it's the yes. middle of tax season. Hey, Johnny's 16, he might have some value in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh,
2: speak, uh, speaking of cars, how about just licensing, licensing your car?
0: Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, In,
2: in the process of that, mm-hmm. moving out here to Seattle from Bozeman and trying to get the my uh, car license out here in Washington was the most complicated matter I've ever been through. Is, <laughs> I literally just now got my Washington plates about two weeks ago. After being out here almost a year, I'm finally legally able to drive on the on the roads of
0: Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing: that's why at the dealership, Kay, you pay them an extra three hundred dollars because they say, "Hey, you want us to take care of the license plates for you?" And you go, hell yes, I do, because I don't want the horror of the DMV and or the packet of papers you're going to send me. Exactly. I got one more. I got one more. Oh, go ahead. Finish this one. Go ahead. Finish that thought on. No.
2: No, yeah. I was going to say, speaking of moving to Seattle, here's a class that I think everybody would benefit from. Anytime you move into a new area, new class, or I'm sorry, new town, new city, whatever it may be, there's actually a
0: orientation class that you could take for that city. Oh, that like where to go you, here?
2: Yeah, that teaches you all the just the ins and outs of that city that you would have no idea unless you take this class.
0: Oh, that's instead you, of, instead yep. of you just trying to figure things out and get advice from
2: co-workers or, or friends, friends or family in the area, you have this orientation class that gives you... You know, it's an hour, two hour long, and it teaches you the back roads, the different uh, routes, the traffic yeah. to avoid, the best places to shop, the tax codes, the all the things that you need to know yep. about the new place that you live.
0: Oh, that's the huge. Weather, the weather patterns, the I mean,
2: there's so many things that you need to figure
0: out when moving to a new city. And, I mean, I think you would do that even if you moved from, like, where you guys moved from to where you're at now in Linwood. When we moved from yes. Lancaster and Salem to off yes. Kubler, everything's different. And you end up just kind of driving around like morons. Like, <laughs> I guess we should shop here. And then somebody tells you, what? There's a wind well, call a block away.
2: <laughs> exactly. Or just the trying to change your utility bill from one address to another. Oh, brutal. And it's a different county. And you're like, well, what? Well, how does this county work? Yep. Or... How does how does the garbage schedule work in this neighborhood? Yep. We had to put our we had to put our garbage out. We left our garbage out for an entire week out <laughs> on the street just so we wouldn't miss the dang garbage pickup because we missed it the first week, and we
0: had to suffer through a week of having this full garbage in our garage. So oh. we just put it out there and said, "Screw it, I'm putting it out Sunday, and I'm just going to wait to see what day it is." Okay, here's one. I got uh, now, not that I'm old by any means, but I'm getting older. So I'm 38. You start thinking a little bit more about retirement. Our parents are in that age group. You want to talk about the retirement plans you get. So you know there's a portion of your check, you're just aware. A portion of your check is going towards your retirement plan, whatever the hell it may be. You probably don't know the account numbers for your retirement plan. You probably have no idea how much money's in there unless you actually open up the Trans-America or IG, you know what I mean, IMG account. And then they always I think they're required by law for some reason to send you a booklet that lists all the accounts that and you're like, what? This might as well be written in Klingon. Because it doesn't tell me a damn thing about where my uh, money is. All I really want to know is if I quit now, how much do I get? Where am I at? Yep. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like yeah. if you if somebody asked me that right now, no idea, none. <laughs> Not, you're
2: exactly right. The big pamphlets that they send you probably oh. once a year. Yep. In the big big
0: Manila envelope. Yep. That, uh, makes it look all
2: big time, and you feel really cool about yourself. And then you open it up, and you start flipping through the pages.
0: Yep. And try
2: and read and, and figure out what exactly it's saying. At the end of the day, you have no clue.
0: <laughs> you have none. No clue. I think you, just look, you just ultimately look for that amount when it's all said and done. Just like we talked about the insurance paper, the, the, the amount
2: due or whatever on those letters that you get. Yeah. Same thing with this retirement packet that you get. You just look for that amount and you
0: kind of figure out in your head,
2: guesstimate in your head how much that would be when it's all said and done.
0: One... Where did you develop? And I like we've ta- all of us have we've developed the skill to skim read to the important information. I whoever that teacher was, I really appreciate him or her because it saved me hours of my life. Yes. But in two, I think investment firms are single-handedly responsible for the greenhouse effect because those pages <laughs> that they print and send are obnoxious. Yes. Yes, they're obnoxious and they get thrown away right away. Immediately. I haven't I don't have one. I bet it's important information. Like what am I gonna do? Call Bob and say, Bob, move my move move my twenty seven dollars. I don't like that. I don't like what you got it in. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's I wish they just
1: had I wish there was a Bob. I don't even know who the Bob <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> I I wanna know Bob. I want
2: Bob to call me and go hey, <laughs> it's Bob. Yeah, your retirement <laughs> guy, and Bob talks me
0: through it. Right. That would be that
2: would be awesome if I had a Bob, but I don't have a
0: Bob. And here's how it works: Bob would call you on a number you've never seen before, and you'd put him to voicemail. Yeah.
2: Voice, <laughs> on the voicemail, that's the first thing you would say is, "Hey, this is Bob, your retirement guy," and you're going, "I
0: didn't even know I had a Bob." And I'd think Bob was a scam. Oh, this is horseshit. I'm not answering yeah. this. They're going to get my yeah. credit card number. I'm out.
1: Yeah,
2: Bob's trying to steal my stuff. Screw <laughs> <laughs> you, Bob. Okay. Things last that, one. Go ahead, last, last one. Last one. Last one. Airport travel.
0: Oh. Airport travel needs to be a class either taught early in school, yes. sometime in, in whether it's middle school, high
2: school, or there needs to be an orientation class for tra- airport travel before anyone can get on the plane for the first time. I am so tired of seeing these newbies that are are (laughs) going through the process of traveling and have no idea and i'm and i'm tired of myself trying to go through this travel process and and you get your delays or your flights changed and i still don't really have an idea of how i can do
0: certain things right And the in the process just continues to change and get more and more complicated and for some people, it is way too complicated. Oh, it! but I think airlines like it like that. Like, for example, come back from the Final Four, you look up on the board and it says plane delayed till this time. So there's just a hundred of us in the gate just staring at the board. No one from the airline is at the little podium. So all of us yep. just sit there and we just wear yep. it. You know, like, oh, yeah, it's two hour delay. Oh, three hour delay. I guess we just go get another milkshake. <laughs> no nobody knows nobody no. knows why is it no. happening what's the point yeah. is the plane you in know, air you know what i would love in that situation i would love a travel bob to call me yep. at that point yep and just go hey kane it's it's your, it's your guy bob again
2: <laughs> here's here's what's happening to you right now man here's here's what you can do to help alleviate the whole situation
0: yeah that would be that would be nice. Oh, that's a hell of an idea. Like you basically say, Kane, this is Bob. That plane hasn't left Denver, much less Seattle coming to get you in LA. You got yeah. two here's what you gotta do. Head over to Southwest, get on a different one because you're not getting out of there. Or he calls you and says, Hey, that's just a mechanical error on the runway. You'll be good in twenty. But yeah. nobody knows that, and we all stare at our phones and no no information's coming on the phone besides a change in the time. Exactly.
2: Just a, a constant text. Yep. That, uh, that says from your from your airline app, that says, hey, this your flight's delayed. Yep. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Appreciate you. Appreciate your.
0: I'm, I'm literally they, standing
2: here. Yep. I know it's not. I'm not on the plane. I know that. But you're going to send me a text anyway that says, hey, by the way, your flight's delayed.
0: What about this? Why do they give you bag tags? <laughs> if they're going to continuously lose it? Why, why do they do that? Like That's just like, <laughs> I don't understand it. it. It doesn't make any sense. Print your boarding pass and your bag tags, but then nobody grabs I Once again, just another thing.
2: Another thing that, where, what's, how does that work? Like the other, uh, this last time, Carrie traveled back to Montana and traveled back from Bozeman to Seattle last Monday, I believe it was. Anyway, she checks two bags at the Bozeman airport on a direct flight from Bozeman to Seattle. I go to pick her up. We're at the baggage claim. Her first bag comes off easy. scot free. First bag off the little deal. Second bag. Nowhere to be seen. How does that we happen? We wait and wait and wait. Nothing. We go to the desk. We ask the lady at the desk. She's like, oh, yeah. Uh, let me let me get your bag tag from you. Your bag <laughs> receipts, right? She types in the number. It's like, oh, yeah. It, it says that you checked in at Bozeman and... It, You flew to Seattle, and we're like, yes, we know that.
0: Thanks. That's great. I'm glad you printed me that tag.
2: I'm I'm real glad (laughs) that you were able to to figure that out.
0: And
2: then finally, she goes and wanders off. She's like, let me go look for it in the lost baggage deal. She goes and and wanders off. Meanwhile, I look over at this other conveyor belt that's like two conveyor
0: belts, belts down from her original conveyor belt yeah and sure enough off comes this really
2: obnoxiously big polka dot pink <laughs> suitcase and it's rolling around with all these other random bags that I, I point at i'm like gary is that is that your bag and she goes nah, no no because at this point she was blinded by rage <laughs> because they had somehow not been able to get this thing on the same plane as her first bag I'm like, ah, you said it was a big polka dot bag that looks big in polka dot. So she takes a second look. Sure enough, she's like, oh, yeah, that is the bag. So the girl comes sprinting back. She's like, oh, sorry, I couldn't find it. And we go, yeah, we found it on this <laughs> random conveyor
0: belt over here. I blame I Bob again because Bob got lazy. And Bob <laughs> said, I'm going to put this one on conveyor seven because I don't want to walk back to nine. How in the hell does <laughs> that happen? I don't understand these things, but, those, yeah. Uh, just, yep, those, and maybe we should, hey, here's the class. It's airport, airport travel, and yep. what we're going to do on Friday is everybody's going to bring in your fully loaded suitcase, your normal one you use. You're going to put it on a scale, and I'm going to say, no, you can't bring that on the plane. <laughs> exactly. You have to check that one, because otherwise you're going to cost us 20 minutes dumbfounded that doesn't fit above your seat.
2: Exactly
0: exactly why do they even sell luggage right why do they even sell luggage that will get denied carry-on why even do know. that like this is approved tsa approved cool mm-hmm. then you know oh it's yeah. the worst yeah. no yeah and <laughs> if i get stuck behind someone in line that forgets to take off a belt <laughs> <huge>. <laughs> a very huge coat that they have on <laughs> they're dumbfounded
1: they're dumbfounded.
0: Laptop. <laughs> yeah, the gigantic laptop that's in their, their bag, and they've listened
2: over and over to the to the PA announcement that continuously is saying, take your laptops out of your bag, take your shoes and belt off. Everyone else in front of you is doing it. <laughs> Somehow you are still surprised when TSA asks you to do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Remember, the rules only don't apply to certain people. Can you imagine that mindset? Well, you know what? That doesn't apply to me. Yeah. Susie at TSA yeah. has been yelling this same script out for seventeen yeah. minutes. Not once was she directing that towards me. No, I'm, I'm exempt. gonna be right, right, fine through there with my Nikes and my coat on. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, uh,
2: I'm good. I'm <laughs> exempt from that. No, I'm cool. I'm just gonna wander right through this thing without any
0: issues. Oh, cross the streams. What they should have taught you in school.